0: I think of graduation I think one of the challenges is sometimes uh, not for the graduate it's for the person who's trying to find a gift for the graduate and so I wanted to be helpful to all of us this morning and and bring some suggestions here if you're looking for a gift for the graduate and and uh, if you know a graduate maybe you could ask them afterwards which one of these would be the most helpful to them this might be helpful right here a, a coffee system they can take to the dorm room there have your own Keurig that'd be great Get up and make your own coffee in the morning. That is if you like coffee. If you don't like coffee, how about this? How about if we get you just a new MacBook and uh, you could have your own computer going off to college? That would be a great treat, wouldn't it? Or how about this? Just straight cash. That would be fine, wouldn't it? Wait a minute. I need to fix that picture. That's better, isn't it? Okay, there we go. Make sure that this is, cash is worthwhile. Now, if you're heading off to the dorm, this next one is a very important thing. There you go, a PS5, right? Everybody needs to have one of those. Good luck in trying to find one of those. Since those are so hard to find right now, this might be an alternative that's a little easier to find. Yes, every graduate needs a new or newer car, don't you think? Any, any, yeah, okay. So that's one of the options there. Or this could be a gift. This is the big gift that I got when I graduated. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Even if you just get towels for graduation, there's hope, okay? I, I still turned out okay, and this is all that I got. I got a few other things for graduation, too. But if you've already been a grad, maybe you could think back in, in about some of the presents that you got as you're thinking about maybe some of the presents you'd give. But I have one more suggestion here this morning that I think could be really, really helpful, but it's kind of unique, so I just got to warn you that to start with, okay? This is my suggestion that's right, your high school math teacher. As your personal guide, your coach, your chaperone to go with you through life. As you go off to the university, think about how convenient this would be. Every time you took a math class, he could sit there right beside you, he could take notes, he could help you with your homework. You could put them up in your dorm room, maybe give them the top bunk, or if you've got a suite, you could shove them over there in the other room. But hey, this is good news too. You never have to go to the dining hall alone. He could go with you. You might even be able to talk him into doing your laundry. And you wouldn't miss mom and dad at all because you'd have that adult presence in your life all the time. What do you think? Not a very fun gift, right? Except for the fact that this is the gift that Jesus gave to his disciples when they graduated from discipleship school, which I don't know that there was an official ceremony to commemorate the the finish of discipleship school, but on the last supper night, when they all gathered in the upper room before Jesus went to the cross and the resurrection, Jesus got together and said, hey, I'm leaving, and I am sending the Holy Spirit in my place, and he will be in you, and he will be with you. The Holy Spirit is a person And so Jesus says, here's my gift. My gift to you is this constant presence of the Holy Spirit. He says this in John chapter 14, verse number 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And he goes on in verse number 26 and says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And so he gives them the Holy Spirit, but he gives them the Holy Spirit as the teacher. Well, we've been talking about the different roles of the Holy Spirit for the last several weeks, and we still have four more weeks to go after this. But we said, first of all, that the Holy Spirit indwells, and he lives inside us. We said, secondly, that the Holy Spirit enables, and he gives us the ability even to love God, to pursue God, He talked about last week that he is an encourager, and boy, we need encouragement a lot, and the Holy Spirit is there to encourage us. Well, this week we talked about the Holy Spirit who instructs. Now, when I think of an instructor, I think of a teacher, and I think of kind of the traditional ways that people teach, where you stand up front like I'm doing, and and where you kind of just blast facts out there. And and all of us have sat in those classrooms. In fact, if you're graduating right now, it's like, oh, don't even talk to me about going to another class, especially if it has to be via Zoom, where the people, where the teacher just kind of throws stuff at you, and you know, you keep looking at your watch, and and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to guess how long five minutes is, and Sure enough, you just made it 20 seconds and and you've done things like that and you've had those kind of teachers and you're like, I don't need another teacher like that. But not every teacher is like that. In fact, you probably had some of those teachers who were really, really good where you actually enjoyed their classes, where they somehow presented the material in an engaging way. But what was it? I think it was this, that connected to you or they connected to you. You felt like they cared about you, that they got you, that they they understood what it was like to sit where you sit. And where sometimes the most exciting thing actually is homecoming and not homework. And so those teachers were the ones who reached out to you and they worked with you and they tried to help you. And they even inspired you. In fact, they might have inspired you so much that you became a teacher yourself. I have a daughter who's in education because she had a teacher that got her excited about teaching. And that could be very much the case. But those kind of teachers are not just the ones who stand up here and just talk at you. They're the ones who get in beside you and they serve in different roles. They serve as coaches or they serve as mentors or they serve as counselors, or they serve as guides, and they showed you as much as they told you. And maybe even as you sit there this morning, you could think of that teacher who impacted you in that way. Well, that is the idea that I believe Jesus was talking about when he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will teach you But he says this in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he's still a teacher, but he's a teacher who guides. And the best teachers are the ones who guide, who don't say, here, do what I'm telling you to do. They say, hey, come follow me, watch me, learn from me. Let me walk with you. Let me help you find these right paths. And we all need people like that. Whether you're a graduate today or or whether you've been graduated for a long time, we need people who will help us find the right path because we are constantly facing decisions and we're constantly facing choices and we're constantly finding ourselves in these situations where I'm not quite sure what to do. Well, if you're graduating, You're facing things like, especially a high school graduate, this morning you're facing things like, where do I go to college? Uh, What dorm am I going to live in? Uh, What major should I take? Who are my friends going to be? And we start to face all these different questions, and we're trying to sort those out, and we're we're trying to solve those problems. Now, maybe if you're past that age and, and, and gone on in life, you still face different questions, don't you? Like, should I take this job or this job? Or, or should I say something to the boss in this situation? Or maybe I shouldn't. Or, you know what, I've got this situation at home. How do I deal with this? Or, boy, you know what, we need this and we need this and we need this. And we've only got the financial needs to, to handle one of those. And what do we do here? Well, we all face situations where we have to make choices and where we have to make decisions. But here's an important truth this morning. Decisions determine direction, and direction determines destiny. Decisions determine direction. So when I make a decision, it points me in some direction. And that direction ultimately leads me to my destiny or to my destination. So it's important that we make good choices, whether they're huge choices or what we see as huge choices, where am I going to go to school or or what am I going to do as a career or who am I going to marry or these things, or whether it just seems like a not so vital choice, every choice still points us in a direction. So decisions determine direction and directions determine destiny. And we get to places in life and sometimes we're like, how did I get here? Well, you can look back and see how the decisions that you made got you there. And so for all of us, as we look to the future, and we all do, we need to be working on this idea of making good decisions so that we can get to where we want to go. And the Holy Spirit shows up and says, here, let me help you with that. Let me be your guide. I kind of think of life like a hike, where you're trying to follow the trail, but the problem is you get to places like this and you're not quite sure what to do. Should I go left or should I go right? And there's constant forks in, in the trail, and sometimes we head off in new directions and it works out great, and sometimes it's like, hmm, I'm not so sure about that one. And we have to back up and go off in another direction. And we're always trying to figure things out on the fly. Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I go there? And life is a lot like this hike. And so I want to use that as a little bit of an analogy this morning. And I want to look at the, uh, in the Bible here at a story of somebody who actually took a hike. He took a very long hike, literally walked where he was going here. And I'm not sure he would have said that he was going on a hike. But I think it fits the situation pretty well. And that's the Apostle Paul. And his story is told in Acts chapter 16. And I want to invite you to turn with me there this morning because I think it's very instructive to us especially as we face decisions in life and especially as we get to these places where it's like, okay, what do I do now? Should I go here or should I go here? Should I do this or should I do this? And so we see a story in Acts chapter 16 that's helpful. So let's join Paul on this hike. Let's stop for a minute at the trailhead. Telly and I, we love to go hiking and and, uh, I, I tell you about the different hikes that we go on but we always stop at the trailhead and always take a picture, a selfie with ourselves with the trailhead behind us. Well, here's the trailhead this morning. We're about to go on this hike with Paul, but let me just stop for a few minutes and say a couple things that I think will be helpful. The subject that we're talking about this morning is sometimes um, mentioned or, or taught under this kind of heading, how to find God's will for your life. And that's a phrase that, that maybe we don't hear as much anymore and and that's fine because I think we can describe it in other ways, and if it's used, that's fine too, but it's this basic idea of how do we know what God's plan is for us? We assume that God created us and created us in certain ways because he had things for us to do and to accomplish, and so there must be this plan that he has in mind. How in the world do we know what it is, and how can we figure that out? So let me just share a few things about that. First of all, I don't think God's trying to make it difficult for you to know what he wants you to do. I don't think God sits up in heaven and goes, well, I've got this plan, but let's see if he can figure it out. (laughs) Wow, he is so off track there. Unbelievable. That's not the picture I get of God. If God has something that he wants you to do, I think God's going to make it clear what it is that he wants you to do. So I don't think we need to live in great fear like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to know exactly what God wants me to do. I don't think you need to worry about that, because I think God wants us to know what that is. Secondly, whatever it is that God wants you to do is probably not as narrow as we want to make it seem. Sometimes, this past fall we were hiking on the uh, the Highline Trail. Is that what it's called in, in Glacier National Park? And you are way up there, and if you fall off this trail, you die. That's just how it goes. You're walking along cliff edges. In one case, one place, there's like cables you can hold on to just so you you don't go off the edge. And sometimes I think we treat that, that will of God or this God's plan for my life, kind of like that. Well, if I fall off here, it's going to be catastrophic. Maybe, but probably not. And I think a lot of times we get that confused because I think God has a wideness to some of the choices that we make. And there are choices that we will face where we can choose this or we can choose this or we can choose this. They may not be moral choices, but where God can be okay with that. You know, if you go, if you buy this house or this house or this house, actually, if you can find a house to buy right now, you're doing well. But there may be some more, you know, options than what we really think because because it's really more about who we become than the path that we follow. Sometimes we have this, well, I want to know what God's plan is for my life so I can get there and say, yes, I made it, you know, X marks the spot, here I am. And I think that misses the point. Because the point is much more about who God wants you to become as a person. So it's way more about the person you become than the path that you follow. And so the weight of this, I think, is actually on God. Because he's the one who has this plan, and he's the one who's going to help us find this plan. If we will tune into him, and it's all relationship-oriented. So sometimes it's like, well, I want to know what God wants me to do, so I'm going to pray about this. And we kind of approach prayer as like we're phoning up the answer desk. And like, hello, God, I have to make this choice. What should I do? Well, I don't think God wants to be the answer desk in our lives. I think God wants to be the guide in our lives. Not the person we check in with every once in a while and say, "Hey, should I do this or should I do this?" But this relationship we have with this person who walks beside us who literally is in us where we are directed as we go through life. So here's the big idea this morning. God will guide if you will follow. God will guide If you will follow. And that's where this story comes into play. This story is about the Apostle Paul. And to give you just some quick explanation here, the Apostle Paul has had this experience with Jesus Christ. He's now this this dedicated Jesus follower. And all of a sudden, he's with a bunch of guys and they're praying. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, Paul, I want you to go off and I want you to tell people in other places about me. And so Paul goes off on what we call his first missionary journey, or I'm calling it his first missionary hike this morning. And he visits some different cities, including three that are kind of the most known, uh, Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. And he goes on this journey, this hike, and he comes back to, um, to his hometown of Antioch. And he's sitting there, and he says, hey, you know what? Let's go back and visit all of these places where we've been and see how they're doing. And so they start out on a second journey or a second hike this morning. And this is a map of that. So you can see where he's down here um, uh, in, in Judea. And he decides to go back to visit these places. So this is Lystra and Iconium in, in Derby is right here. These are three places that he's been in the past. And he's going to go on this journey, and he goes and he visits them, and they they visit these churches and see that they're doing well. And evidently, the next place that he decides he wants to go is this little place called Ephesus, in this region called Asia right here. And yet, he doesn't get there. So let's read about it in Acts chapter 16, verse number 8. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And so we see Asia up on the map is this area. He gets here, he wants to go here, and somehow, for some reason, some way, the Holy Spirit doesn't let him to do that. So you can see he takes this trek northward here, and we keep reading to see what happens next. So they passed by, uh, excuse me, when they came to, I'm in verse number seven, when they came to the border of Mysia. They tried to enter Bithynia. Bithynia is up here in this region, the purple up here. So they travel north and they're like, well, we'll go this way. And look what happens. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycia and went down to Troas. And so they come here. We're gonna, they want to go here. They can't. So they go north and they're like, well, let's go this way. They're not allowed to do that. So they finally come over here to this place called Troas. And during the night, while they're in Troas, verse number 9, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia, okay, another place on the map. Right here you see Macedonia, which is basically northern Greece. But he has this vision of a man in Macedonia standing up and begging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul saw the vision, we got ready, ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they had tried to go to Asia and we think to Ephesus and the Holy Spirit's like, no. So they tried to go to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit's like, no. And finally, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, how about if I send you a vision? I want you in Macedonia. And so they go to Macedonia and they eventually get to a place called Philippi. And so we see the Holy Spirit literally directing the literal path of Paul, who's saying, well, I think I should go there, and that doesn't work. I think I should go there. And he walks through there, and and the Holy Spirit eventually gets him to this place. So how does this work? We don't know. It doesn't really tell us any more than what we just read, other than the fact that the Holy Spirit made it clear. And that's the point that we made already, that the Holy Spirit, he will lead us if we will follow but there's some observations that I want to make in this story that I think can be helpful to us as we are trying to figure out what God wants us to do, as we're trying to make decisions in our life, whatever that thing is that you're debating right now. If we go back and look at this paragraph here that I just read, I want to point out the verbs in this paragraph, and that leads us to our first point. In verse number six, it says Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. In verse number seven, it says they tried to enter Bithynia. Verse number eight, they passed by Mysia. They went down to Troas. In verse number nine, we see a verb that says come over. And then it says, we got ready at once to leave. And we see these verbs throughout this paragraph. But what do these verbs have in common? They're different verb forms, but they're all active verbs. They're not passive. They're action verbs. And they suggest movement. And the point is that as Paul was moving, the Holy Spirit was directing. And so this is the first thing that we observe in this story is the Holy Spirit guides us as we take steps. I think a lot of times we want to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Go ahead and show me. And I think God's like, nah, that's not how it works. Here's how it works. I want you to do something. You get moving, and as you move, I will steer you in the direction that you need to go. And that movement that we take demonstrates our heart to follow God. And as we move, he's like, okay, I can work with this now. If you sat in a parked car and tried to turn the steering wheel, if you notice, it's a whole lot harder to turn that thing than when it's moving, And that's the same idea that's at play here where the Holy Spirit is like, go ahead. And as you move, so you don't have it all figured out, but as you go, I will lead you in the process. And life is a series of steps and next steps and processes. And in this process, then, we are forced to keep leaning on the Holy Spirit and that relationship grows. Instead of getting something in our inbox that says, I want you in Philippi, Paul gets a memo and says, I want you to go share the gospel. And he's like, okay, should I go here? Should I go here? Should I go here? And as he goes, God directs through the Holy Spirit. And as we go in life, he directs us. And it's that idea again that he will guide if we will follow. I think going back in some of my life, and this is going back now to the late 1990s, I guess, but uh, there was a need at our church of somebody to teach the college Sunday school class, and so I volunteered to be the college Sunday school teacher, and it was probably eight or ten kids, and a lot of the kids from the church had gone off to school, but some had stayed in town and, and uh, went to IUSB uh, um, and kind of uh, could live at home and get started there, and so I was working with those students, and just because that was, you know, okay, I'll I'll do that, and then God brought some students from Notre Dame. And God brought some students from, from Bethel. Jen Willison was one of those students uh, from the church here, and this Sunday school class that I just was the teacher of it just it, God just kept blessing that thing, and it totally changed my role in the church, and it really changed my role in ministry. And there were a lot of things that I have been doing that I had to stop doing because this thing kept growing and I became the college pastor of this church. Well, that was never where I was going to start with. I was just like, well, you need somebody to do this, I'll do that. And as I went, though, guy's like, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. And he opened up doors and opportunities and he led in that way. And as we go, he will guide and we need to remember that. Well, a second observation here. The place that they were trying to get to was Macedonia, and specifically this city called Philippi. But how did they figure that out? And they did, but they figured that out through a series of no's of some form or another. A lot of closed tours, and they weren't dead ends. They were more like detours. And so they got stopped here, but it wasn't like, okay, go back home. They got stopped here. Well, they moved on to the next thing and they got stopped here again. And so they moved on to the next thing. And the Holy Spirit was leading them by creating not dead ends, but by creating detours. And I say that because sometimes we're like, well, I think God wants me to do this and I try this and it doesn't work out right. And we're like, oh, I must've gotten it all wrong. And we're kind of done. Don't be done. Keep moving on because God is going to use those detours To get us somewhere else. There are very few closed doors that if we look around, we can't find another option. Or somebody else has said, you know, a window to climb through. And interestingly enough, even in this story, that closed door was not so much a no as it was a not yet. As I mentioned before, we think that Paul was trying to probably trying to get to Ephesus. Well, guess what? He got there even on that trip, but he got there in a very roundabout way because God had a different route for him to go in the first place. And so sometimes I think we need to understand circumstances for what they are. Sometimes we're like, well, circumstances just mean that I got it totally wrong. No, not necessarily. Circumstances are just something we need to be aware of because God is directing us and moving us to where we need to go. So don't let a detour become a defeat in your story because god will lead us if we'll follow and that path that they were following eventually took them to philippi and if you want to you can read ahead in verses 16 to 25 you hear what actually happens when paul gets to philippi so he thinks he's supposed to go to this place and this place he gets these no's and finally he gets this vision of this guy in macedonia and and so he goes on into macedonia to this region the city is philippi and when he gets there he starts sharing the gospel and people trust Christ and, and they plant a church, but there's this girl that's following them around and she is demon-possessed and she's telling fortunes and she's just this huge distraction to Paul. And Paul finally turns around and the power of God says, calls the spirit out and the spirit's cast out of this girl. And she's healed spiritually and, and, and mentally in all these ways. But the owners, she was a slave, and so the owners of this girl are up in arms because they've just lost the source of income. And so they haul Paul and Silas, who's his companion, into the magistrates, and they are put on trial, and they are eventually beaten, and they're thrown into prison. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm sitting here in prison thinking, wow, I definitely got that one wrong if this is what God wants me to do, um, somehow I missed it because I'm thinking I should be leading the church service right now, not sitting here in this prison. Well, what's the point? The point is this, that the Holy Spirit sometimes guides us into difficulties. The Holy Spirit sometimes guides us into difficulties. And so when we get to situations in life and we try to make a good decision and it doesn't always work out, it doesn't necessarily mean that you got it wrong. It may mean that these difficulties are part of the process that God is using because he wants us to become a person more than he wants us to follow a path, but he's going to use those difficulties in our lives. So I would say that whether you're a graduate this morning or whatever station or stage you're in, don't get freaked out by the difficulties. They're often what God uses in your story. And if you follow through the rest of this story, there's this huge earthquake and, and the power of God comes and disrupts everything and frees Paul and, and uses this for Paul to evangelize even the jailer because the Holy Spirit wasn't trying to avoid challenges. He was actually trying to use challenges. And I would say this, that the rightness of a situation is determined by the rightness of your choice, not by how it turns out. And we're too quick to say, well, that didn't turn out well, or we're too quick to do this to say, well, that really looks hard. That must not be the right thing. And no, a lot of times the right thing is the hard thing and we need to be willing to go there. Well, the next observation I would say, remember that we're on hike number two here as we look at this story. But if we go back to hike number one, that's when the whole thing got started. And so if you want to, you can turn back with me to Acts chapter 13. If you don't, you can just read, uh, listen along with me. Acts chapter 13, verse number one says, Now the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And it goes on there to list several of them. In verse number two, Well, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called for them. Now, maybe he spoke audibly. It doesn't tell us how he spoke. And it doesn't really tell us if Paul and and Barnabas heard this or not. It just said that the Holy Spirit said, I've got a job for them. And so he said it to this group. And so in verse number three, after they had fasted and prayed... They placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so we got all these pronouns there. Who are they talking about? Well, I don't think that Paul and Barnabas were placing their hands on themselves and praying for themselves. It was these other people who were placing hands on them and praying for them and sending them off on their first missionary journey, first hike, which eventually led to their second hike. But what's the point? The point is this, the Holy Spirit often guides us through the influence of other people. The Holy Spirit often guides us through the influence of other people. And we need other people in life to help steer us. Godly people that can give us advice. Sometimes they're going to give us ab- a- affirmation. Uh, sometimes they're going to observe a situation that we're in. Sometimes they're going to bring confirmation to a choice that we've made. But it's really important for us, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, and following His past, to have other people in our lives to help us. And I have said this, and I continue to say this, especially to our graduates who are going off to college right now, find yourself a faith community when you get to campus. A campus group, a church, hopefully both But you need those people in your life because they will help you stay on the path. And that is part of the Holy Spirit at work in your story. Don't hike alone. Well, his friends got him started. But what was it that eventually got him to Macedonia? It was this vision that he has. So let's go back and let's just revisit that vision, which is in Acts 16, verse number 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after Paul saw that vision, he went over to help them. And that leads us to our, our fifth idea here. He guides us towards needs. When we're not always sure what to do, look for the needs around you because God is about meeting needs. And God is about using us to meet needs. And so if you're not sure, If you see that need, you can probably pursue in that direction, and that may be God leading you just by means of that need, and that could be something that's going on in your family. That could be something that's going on in your workplace. It could be something that's going on in community, the church, but look for needs. I remember back when I was working with college students, there was a kid that came to our group, Ryan, great kid, But he had gotten, in in high school, he had gotten involved in a group called the Fuller Center for Housing, which is similar to Habitat for Humanity, a Christian group, and he had built some of these houses. Well, he got to college, and he kept doing these things, and he'd go back and work for them, like as an intern in the summers, and and to build these houses for, for people who didn't have housing, whether in the United States or abroad. Well, today, Ryan is like the executive director of Fuller Center for the Housing, but what he did was he just continued to pursue the needs that he saw. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit does a lot of times. The vision wasn't, it was a big deal, but the, the main thing is this guy's saying, hey, we need help. And when there's somebody in your story saying, hey, I need help, that may be the Holy Spirit saying, I'm pointing that out to you. See, the thing is that the Holy Spirit will guide if we will follow. So let me just wrap this up this morning because there's the chance that where you are, you're feeling a little bit lost or you're a little bit confused. And and sometimes that happens out on the trail and, and you can get bewildered and you can even have your trail map there or you can use all trails, which is a great map if you're hiking. And you can see where you are, but you can't quite tell what direction you're going. In which case you need a compass. You just need to figure out sometimes which direction north is. And so I use this as a final illustration here this morning because the Holy Spirit does one more thing, and we're going to go back to John chapter 16 where I started here this morning. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. And when we're trying to figure out what to do, we need to ask what is true and what is the truth in this situation. And how do we discern that? The easiest way that we can discern that is simply going back to God's word, which we're told is the word of truth. And God's, the Holy Spirit's most common way to lead us in our stories is to simply show us from his word what we need to do next. So really we need to worry less about finding God's will and and more about following God's word. But we all face decisions on a regular basis. Some are bigger than others. Some just seem that way. Small choices can have huge significance, but we need help to make the right choice. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. He will guide us if we will follow. Now, we're never told exactly in this story how they knew they weren't supposed to go to those places. And yet we can observe the story to see how the Holy Spirit was guiding in their life. And so that's, I think, the encouragement for all of us too. It doesn't matter to us that we understand how God guides. What matters is that we come with that willing heart to say, okay, God, wherever you want me, I'm good to go in that direction. Whatever the decision needs to be, okay, I want to follow you. So for our graduates this morning, for those who are here up front, we we have some bags and and there's a a card, your name on it. I'll just ruin the surprise, but um, this is just a carabiner that you can pop onto your backpack and it's got a compass. Now this might be helpful to you if you're very directionally challenged or if you go to a really, really large campus, it might help you find you around. If you decide to go hiking on the weekend, it might help you as you're out on the trail. But more than anything, I hope it will serve as a reminder to you that you have a God, the Holy Spirit, who wants to be your guide and not just point you in a direction, but who wants to walk with you so that you know the way to go. And let this be a reminder that you have his presence. You are not alone. You don't have to figure it out on your own. He will guide you you'll follow him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I am grateful for the fact that you are a guide. You don't really give us specifics, but maybe that's because that leaves the door open for you to guide in in many different ways. But we do see these things from your story this morning. I pray that they would be impactful to us as we make decisions in our own lives. For our graduates this morning, I just want to lift them up to you. I pray that you would give them incredible wisdom on the path that they take to the person that you want them to become. I pray that they would just sense your guiding and your presence at all times. For everyone else who sits in this room, though, we all face decisions all the time. God, we pray for your guidance. We pray that you would give us a heart that's willing to follow. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My first question to, to you in the, in the auditorium here, or to those watching at home, is: Do you have a relationship with God, where the Holy Spirit lives inside you because you've trusted Christ, where He can guide you, where He can instruct you? If you've never taken that step and put your faith in trust in Jesus Christ, I would invite you to do that this morning. If you have trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit does live inside you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to guide you. What is the situation that you're facing right now? And what step can you take? Because God guides us as we move and as we take steps. So I'd invite you to identify a step that you might even take this morning. Holy Spirit, we celebrate the fact that we don't have to do life on our own but that you go with us through this life as our guide. And we praise you for that this morning and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks again to Tom for filling in uh, for worship here. We do have uh, cupcakes out in the lobby there to celebrate our graduates. Some of them are here, some of them are with us online, and some of us are in different parts of the world right now. Um, and if you're one of our graduates here, come on up and get your, uh, your gift here. And uh, congratulations. We're so proud of you, and we are cheering you on. I think we clap for our graduates at the beginning part of the service. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have faced adversity, and you have conquered. There'll be more adversity in life, but you can conquer that too. So go out and go get them, all right? Let's stand. You're dismissed. Have a great week.